welcome leaders for equity, allyship, and diversity. If you didn't guess it before, yes, that spells lead, L-E-A-D. This is a special episode of the Leading People First podcast. If you were shocked, frustrated, saddened, bewildered, or felt any other range of emotion from the events that occurred in the United States on January 6, 2021, you are not alone. An awesome group of leaders got together and wanted to do something about it. And we have formed the group LEAD. Again, that's Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity. We are hosting weekly events to allow leaders to come together, discuss, learn, share, activate, and empower to make a difference in the world together. What you're about to listen to is some of the discussion from this meeting that occurred on January 14th and a presentation by the amazing Celia Daniels. If you're unaware of Celia Daniels' work, she actually had a three-part episode, episode number 13, on this podcast that you can go back and listen to, and her information is available in the show notes. We've taken out the icebreaker that included watching the video, Inclusion is More Than I. It's a quick yet powerful video that I've linked in the show notes for you to go watch. We've also taken out the discussion from our breakout groups, so if you want to learn more about what happens and be empowered to act, you'll just have to join us next week. Listen to the end to get more information. So what you're about to listen to is raw and real. So get ready to come together and lead. Is, he, is it Tania or yes. Tania? Tania. Tania. Well, Excellent. It's, it's weird. It's two different ways. Tania, if you're in America, Tania, if you're Italian, Hispanic, uh, mm-hmm. or you can call me T. So I have three versions of my name. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> uh, I always leave with that. Um, so I really love that video. It evokes it. It covers so many broad spectrum. I relate it to a lot of them in different ways. Um, Sometimes people want you to, you could be in a group and let's say for instance, and this came to mind one day, I think uh, Gabrielle Union said it, and I never realized that it made me feel um, not inclusive at work. When people would assume when they heard my age, they saw my color and they didn't see pictures of children on the uh, stand and I never was married, they assumed the worst of me. And there was other families there. It didn't start to bother me until I got older. I thought it was nothing, a big deal. Um, And I thought it was, I'm older. Um, I have been modifying myself in corporate America for a very long time. And um, one of the hardest thing um, for me, and I, I actually wear my Afro and I'm glad LinkedIn is that I gave up trying to straighten my hair, um, trying to uh, get that polished look. I have anxieties. I can't tell you the anxieties I, I get before interview, just to see if I'm inclusive. When I walk in the door and I see people that look like me, I smile, I perk up, I have a chance. Or when I walk in and they heard me on the phone and I don't look like the Hispanic version of the TV and I say I speak Spanish and then they test me out. And then the, when I was younger, the words of you're very articulate, insulting. So, or you speak white, where are you from? Which one of your parents are Hispanic? Oh no, they're both African-American. Um, it's so much on education. I, I, I work in a very um, global place, international place, but even amongst ourselves, whether you're Indians, there's prejudice. There's prejudice within each other. We think it's just about black, 
Hispanic and everything. We don't educate ourselves. We like to call Asians one word. Africans, there's a ton of Africans. There's a ton of Hispanic people that look different. We come in all shapes, colors, and sizes. Don't assume, ask questions. If, ask questions about how you pronounce the name. You know, don't assume um, with people, approach them. Don't just feel as though that you know them. Don't feel intimidated by them because they're sporting an Afro or, or the personality. Even I can, my, white, my counterparts, white counterparts can have strong personalities. They can mm -hmm. have bipolar moments. I am not allowed to do that in corporate America. I have to live a higher standards. I have to behave myself. I have to be 120% on point. I don't get to have a point of opinion just like my other counterpart. And basically, I'm gonna tell you COVID is bad, but I'm living, my, my family is all over the country. I'm here by myself. I have cried many times watching this world it's, it, I just want to let everyone know because I see that this never, racism never stopped. It just got, we just got better and good at hiding it and pretending and, and smiling. It, what we are seeing has always existed. It's just that we're now at home watching it and no, everybody's still, we're not busy. We're not going to parties. We, got, we are all at a pause. We are all being held hostage to see what, what what our faces really look like. That's all I want to say. I don't want to take up how much time. Tanya, thank you so, so much. Um, okay. I can I think you can see just based on the reaction you're seeing um, on the videos I'm seeing and the chat box that is going off right now. Thank you oh. first for your vulnerability. Thank you so much. Um, you. There's a lot of points that it's really hitting on. So thank you again, um, because there is a, a lot that uh, your story illustrates that it, it is not just about race as Lauren says, right? Um, there's so much more to it and so much depth that all of us have. Um, I'll open the floor. So Tanya, thank you again one, uh, one more time. I'll open the floor one, uh, to one more person from a time's sake and then we can get to Celia's presentation. Well, I'm Tanya. You just pronounced it as Tanya <laughs> from Houston, Texas. <laughs> and I think what struck me was just the word one in every single slide. And for me, it was a matter of the gap, the gap of the one for the people who don't speak up uh, and for people who tend to wait for me to say X, Y, and Z, or they think they know what, they're, what I'm going to say. And I think I just want to hear more voices um, from those who are allies, co-conspirators, people who are really down for the cause of really stopping racism. I like to see those one turn into more than one and people not to be afraid to do it. I think that's why we're here. We have this group already. Um, and I will say, I'm, I think I'm speaking for our, our admin team that we did not expect this to be as large and big as we thought it would. And that's all because of we are all more, we are more than just one. Um, I mean, there's so much work here to be done. There's a lot of support that we can bring and, and provide. And <coughs> we are, we're going to make this a huge movement. And we are, we're excited that all of you are here on board. I have to say, I'm Rohan from Chicago. I am so impressed so far with just like the rich assortment of people that are coming here in this space. So I, I don't know anyone here besides Celia. So it's already feeling so great to be here. Thanks for uh, putting this together. And Rohan, for those who shared. 
Well, welcome to the group. And yes, I absolutely agree with you. Um, that was something that really stuck out to me right away was just the diversity and the acceptance in this group already. So thank you all again and welcome. With that note, um, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Celia, who is our present presenter today. She's going to present for about 15, 20 minutes. Um, if you have anything that you want to share, just throw it up in the chat and we can uh, add things in and we'll have a discussion afterwards. Um, and Celia, I will turn it over to you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. This is such an important time for us. And one thing that I want to say is a lot of what we are going through, um, this is something that's been affecting all of us emotionally. And I wanted to walk you through some of the experiences that I've had and also talk a little bit about how we can change it, how we can change or how we can transform and what we need to do to transform. I want to introduce myself. My name is Celia Santia Daniels. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a parent. I'm married to a beautiful woman. I'm a musician. I'm a hiker, blogger, photographer. And I also have been in the corporate industry for close to 23 years now, worked for Fortune 500 companies, managed P&L close to 250 million, had a large teams globally, uh, been a very successful businessman before I came out. But after I came out, a lot of things just fell apart. Faced a lot of discrimination, but I never gave up. And I've been fighting for community like me, especially the trans community who look like me. And as some um, the person was sharing before, it's exactly how I feel when I have a person who nods their head and smiles at me when I walk into an office that makes such a difference. So my story wasn't this great. Um, when I was growing up as a child, I was born in India. I'm an Asian immigrant. When I wasn't born in India, I remember a time when I was four years old, I told my mom, I wanna be a girl. And my mom looked at the social constructs of the colonial British government at the time. And she said, you're a boy and you cannot be a girl. And I didn't know what I was doing at that point in time, but my heart was just clinging to a point where I did not identify as a male, a boy. Though I was born in both, I was born in the gender which was male and I identified more in the gender that I wanted to be, which was female. It was a big question in my mind and being born in a country like India that was so patriarchal, it's a male dominated community and people always box you in these little tiny boxes. You're successful, you are great, um, this is what you are, you're rich, you're poor, you look fair, you look dark, you look... Uh, you are vegetarian, non-vegetarian. This is how people were boxing everyone. And I did not fit in those boxes. And I was struggling to myself at that point. And the only thing that hit me was, if I have to survive in this country and in the situation that I am, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to suppress my femininity and learn to survive. And that was the way I looked at my life. It was so difficult for me. I was going through a lot of trauma at the time and it was a lot of stress that I did not realize that I was going through. And I was living in a community that was absolutely male dominated. And all I could see was people with great power and position were male. 
at the time. And being a woman was being a second rated citizen and coming out as a trans, you're in the bottom of the food chain. And that's how it was in India at the time. I looked at the Hijra community and I said, I am you, but I don't want to be you because I will lose my privilege as a man and I will also be beaten. I don't want to do that. I was struggling so hard at the time, not knowing what to do. But unfortunately, in my when I was um, in my fourth grade, I was abused, molested by my uncle. And I didn't know what happened. And I was thinking probably because I am a trans person, he did that to me. Or maybe he just did by mistake. I blamed it on myself and I did not blame it on him. I just took the blame because he was a man and he could do what he wanted. Two years later, my cousin brother molested me and I didn't know my world, my world just fell apart. I didn't know why they were doing it to me. I was just a boy, but they were just using me like a trash. I couldn't tell my mom because we lived in a community where we cannot share things like that. I just sucked it up. I went to the beach and cried my heart out. There were times when I felt that I was so unworthy. I didn't know what to do. And there were times when I felt like this was a lot of shame for me to hold on to. And I lived in a society where this was so common. Being gender bias was so high. There was a rape culture in India. They were shaming all the time. People who were rich were so powerful. It was about a high caste and a low caste. There was always objectification, how dark you looked. And if you didn't speak English, you were being marginalized. You know, there were a lot of things going on in that country. And during the time I was struggling, not only with my gender issue, but also just struggling to survive while my friends were trying to be astronauts and pilots and doctors. My ambition in life was just to survive. I didn't, honestly, I didn't think I would even make it up to high school because I didn't know my future at the time. And I was just baffled with what was going on. And I remember a time when I was just uh, trying to go out as Celia and I didn't even have a name at the time. I remember wearing a dress and I walked out and I was caught and publicly humiliated. Um, I was made to stand in the middle and there were close to 15 to 20 men just yelling at me. And there were women as well who were standing around me and just watching me because I was a scum in that society. I was not wanted. Though my, my dad and mom were very respectful in that society, I didn't want them to take the shame. I just stood there crying and I didn't know what to do. And I spoke in a different language and it just ran from that scene. It doesn't happen all the time because that was the day it was awakening call for me. I remember that I was so afraid to live and I was also afraid to die. My mom was a nurse at the time and she had so many issues that we're going through. And I looked at the culture and the society. My mom was like a moral for me. The way my mom was constantly talking about making a change in the society. I just watched her. I watched the prime minister of the country at the time, Indira Gandhi. I was, I was so inspired by that woman as she was leading the country. There were so many things happening. And I was also following the feminist movement that was happening in, in, in this country. There was a lot of change happening. Women were consistent, insistent, and persistent in making a change, fighting, voting for, um, fighting for voting rights. And also for every area, they wanted to just dismantle some of the male dominance in the society. Women were 
were fighting to be prominent in the society. There was a lot of battle happening. And one of the things that I learned in the whole process is women were always um, not wanted. You know, there was a position where women were struggling in a society, in a world of men. And people who were making decisions were men at the time. There was no accountability. And when I looked at all these five constructs, I just thought about a lot of things that would really make sense for us. When we are looking at this decisions that needs to be made in this country, we don't have accountability for what aspects that you do because you're a man. This is a boys club, locker room conversation. It's so appalling to hear such statements. And it's because you can speak that language because you're a man, it's okay. You can drive cars. You can be in a conference room and say that your application is sexy. I've been in conversations as an entrepreneur, but unfortunately I've heard those conversations when I, before I transitioned, it was so hard for me to hear these conversations now, but at the time I was just nodding because they were just making fun of women in the happy hours. And I've been in those conversations where there was no accountability and we always just marginalize women. But now we see that there is so much of change in this country, not here, but also uh, in, in India and other countries where women are standing up. They're making a big change, not only in one area, but so many areas in technology. And that's what needs to be questioned. A woman cannot do this. A, a woman cannot lift this. You know, she is not capable of managing this large account. She is not capable of handling this issue. She's not a CEO material. That's the kind of words we've always heard. And I've been in those conversations with my colleagues and with my white colleagues many times when you're in the tech industry. And I felt so ashamed when I used to come back home. I felt like, why didn't they say something? But when I transitioned, when I've been in those shoes, now I can really understand that I did not stand up for what I should have stood. There's so much going on that people just are so, so much needed even in the families. It has to come from the family head. A change needs to happen because many a times it's always looked at as it's a man, it's a woman and a child. No, it doesn't have to be that way. We are working in a time where women can take roles. It's not about man being the head of the family. Women can have nuclear families too. It's so important for us to also take away the rape culture that's going on in so many, so many times, even in our work, um, place. We see there is a bias in the workplace. There's so much of information when women say, no, I don't want this conversation. This joke is inappropriate. They just keep going at it because they think when you say no, it's an S. We have to be very confident in making sure that we are not in those conversations. You know, it's important for us to be, uh, to voice up and talk about these things so importantly. The most important thing that I found was media is also marginalizing women. Women are always portrayed as the sexy folks. And you know, this is how movies are made. And it's always showing women as like damsel in distress. You know, that's not the way women are being, should be portrayed. There's a lot of things that media has to do to change as well. So I also wanted to say that when you are involved in a cause, in an activism. The one thing that I felt, which I will be talking a little bit later is about not willing to participate. If Chick-fil-A is against LGBTQ, you know, I'm not gonna eat in Chick-fil-A and that's not activism. 
activism, non-participation is not activism. It's important for you to be in that space, to listen to people who are going through those issues. If you're in a space where uh, black entrepreneurs are being marginalized because of their capability of doing it. You know, it's not about, you should say that, hey, I'm just going to help you. I've spoken to my black colleagues and I've asked them, what do I need to do to help you? They said, I don't need your help, but I just want you to help me in spaces where I'm not there. Raise my voice in places where I am not there. That was such a great advice that I got from a trans black friend of mine. And he told me that's always been resonating in my mind. And I've done that in the South Asian community in my own capacity. The third idea that I wanted to talk about today, as we are going through a time, is we have always lived in a male dominated community, the dawn of time. We are moving into a point where women are being given rights, but it's still, they're pushing and they're trying to be persistent, but still, there is a lot of male dominancy in this country. Now, as Kimberly Crenshaw clearly said that the future is not all about women, but it's about intersectional identities. It is women and intersectional identities. And a lot of times when you look at it, it's so true. When I walk into a boardroom and I see white men sitting in the boardroom, what hits me is, will they really hire me? I remember giving my resume to a, a financial company and the senior vice president of HR, she said, Celia, I'm so sorry. I may not be able to put your resume through. Drew, you're qualified. I'm so sorry that the board will not approve. And even if they, if they invite you for the interview, you might probably be a mocking piece. They're gonna laugh after you leave the interview. And I don't want you to go through that. I was so, I was so honored to have her say that to me. And I said, thank you for being honest. But this is the kind of change that we need to bring in. And I wanted to also focus on how do we make a change? What do we need to do to have, a, you know, what are the things that we can do to change this patriarchal, uh, I would say patriarchal nature of what we're going through in this country? There's racism. There's xenophobia, there's homophobia, there's transphobia. There's a lot of things that's happening in this country. And I've been discriminated in many parts of this state and especially living in California. Even in California, I've been discriminated. It's important for me. I remember there was a time, um, I just want to share this before I get into the training part of it, which is important. I remember um, in 2015, I came out in my community and I shared my story and I got a lot of um, information where people just said um, on the newspaper, Heck, um, this is a man in a dress who needs medical help. And I was going through that and I was reading the newspaper and I was so heartbroken. I thought, I'm trying to be honest here. And why are these people being so hurtful? And I went into my, I, I sat in my car and I started crying because I didn't know what else to do. And there was a thought that hit me. I can sit and keep crying or I can do something about it. I just said to hell with you people. I'm just going to be visible. I'm gonna raise my voice and I don't care whether I'm perfect or not, but I'm real and I'm gonna make a change and I'm gonna come out. And I did that in 2015, it's 2021. 
my daughter and my wife, they're my biggest allies. And one of the important things that we need to do, especially the folks in the call, is there is a lot of call to action that I wanted to talk about. The first thing is training and education. How do we train our employees or how do we train our colleagues so that they really understand that we're going through an issue? They really need to understand about our culture. We need to change the culture of the company and also proclaim the culture that we bring into the, into the companies, the value that we bring in. Important thing is it's not just that, but we need to break the binaries that is existing today. The other conversations that I've always talked about is if you wanna, um, I would say, um, transform patriarchy, if you wanna make sure that we are not hearing such languages, we need to go gender neutral in language. You know, instead of saying, hey guys, uh, hey, uh, you know, we can say, hello everyone, thank you. Hi, good morning, folks. I use folks a lot. And today I got a mail from one of the tech company that they had written back to me saying that, dear sir slash madam, because that person didn't want to address me as Celia, uh, they sent me an email like that. And I wrote back saying that, can you please call me Celia and use a gender neutral language? And this is from a company that I had given a talk. And that's a company where I've been in a panel discussion so sometimes we see that even in our own companies, even in our own circles, we use, we need to start using gender neutral language. It's very helpful and it will really make a change. The second thing that we want, I wanted to always talk about is if you want to make a change in your company, it needs to start from the bathroom to the boardroom. Change doesn't happen from the letterhead of the company, but it happens from the hearts of your employees. It's important to make the change right from the boardroom to the bath, sorry, right from the bathroom to the boardroom, because these are the ways in which we can make a change. It's not a HR agenda, it's a CEO's agenda. And that's what we need to be looking at. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about is, I, I shared with you the story about me being discriminated in my community. And I didn't know how to start. I just went, I saw a, a local newspaper alley uh, ad that said, um, we are going to do a protest about gun violence in my community. So I just went there and showed up. I just stood there holding a plaque saying, you know, we want gun control and we have to disarm hate. And I stood with the plaque there and people were looking at me because they were standing and fighting the same cause. And I thought as a trans person, I was fighting for trans rights, but actually I was fighting for intersectionalities. I was fighting for the rights of other people, human rights. I did not start as a human rights activist, but I just started as a trans activist and my life just transformed into a point where I started being in all the entire ecosystem that affects our intersectionality. So though I was focusing on employee empowerment as a trans person, I was focusing on healthcare. I was focusing on certain areas where it's important for me to talk about trans issues. It actually, I was focusing on human rights issues. I just wanna lay this ecosystem that I developed for the uh, California endowment. And it's much more similar to what I had used in my a policy change that I had uh, recommended for California for trans folks. 
if you want to make a change, we need to join our hands together. We need to be allies. We need to understand that I'm not just focusing on one area, but we need to also have friends and organizations and allies and all the entire ecosystem. It's not that my issue about homelessness is important. It's not my trans issue that is important. It's not that my community issue is important, not my immigration issue that is important. But if you wanna make a change, it has to be in the entire ecosystem. And if you don't know about a particular area, we need to participate in those areas. We need to be in those spaces to make a change. And that's the way we can make a change. The last thing that I want to talk about, and I want to leave it this thought with you, is it's so important for us to be as allies. And this is the way I define allies, and especially I am the in the executive board for TransCan Work, and I'm also the vice president of Stonewall Democrats in Ventura County. I didn't choose to be in these roles, but sometimes you feel like you don't wake up one day and say, "I'm going to be an activist." It's in you. In fact, every 71 people in this call, we are all activists. I don't know if you're thinking in your mind that, oh, this is what I am going to do. No, you're already doing it. You are an activist. Acknowledge your privilege. Listen to the community. Learn to unlearn. Initiate tough conversations in your workplace, even in having a social circle. Educate those around you. Support and get involved. Lastly, I wanted to close by saying the future is intersectional identities. And if you want to resist patriarchy, if you want to resist racism, if you want to fight against what we are going through on Jan 6th, it's so important. And I know most of you on the call would have heard this conversation. Go back to your country. I'm building a wall. You people are not important to me. I want you to know that we all are in this together. And I want to just open it up for any questions. And I uh, let me hand it over to Chris to take this conversation forward. But I hope this is so important for us. This time is important for us. I'm just going, these are just pointers for us to initiate a conversation. Let's look at changing the ecosystem that will make a change in this country. In your county, get involved. In your state, get involved. And in your country, get involved. That's how we can change this country. I know Joe Biden is the president. We still have work to do. We still have work to do in our own office, in our own community. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much, Celia. Um, yeah, let me let me go to a couple questions that I saw pop up. Um, so what from Elliot, what can a white man do beyond accepting they benefited from privilege, denounce white supremacy, denounce non-inclusive policies, listen and be here? What does an ally look like? If, I know you covered it at the very end, but could you reiterate that? Because I think that was a great call to action. No, I think it's important for us. Most of my friends, I live in a community that's predominantly white in California. And what I have found is um, it doesn't, when you're fighting for a cause, it's so important for you to know and understand what others are going through. It doesn't matter what color you are, but you're representing a cause and get involved. First thing is, um, I th the most important fact that I, I have in my top of my head is um, just, just listen to people. 
when uh, when someone is talking about being shot while they are in the home ask them questions you know how can i help you and the most important thing that i've heard is in spaces where we cannot be there if you can be our voice in those spaces that is going to make a huge change and most of the times when you are in a conversation i as i was mentioning earlier when i was before i transitioned i just kept quiet because i didn't want to talk about it most of my friends were having conversations around having 12 guns in the house and i have been in ncc i've been in all the other um, i've been involved with a lot of the um, um i would say uh, in the in the pre military kind of um, army that i was in college um and i know that it's not easy to have these kind of conversations and i told those for people in it finally before my transition i said you know what i cannot be in this conversation i was not important i was not popular but i am glad i stood up finally and i think it's so important for you to stand up i'm just giving my part of my conversation there are a lot of people on the call who can really really give some good pointers too but it's so important for us to first listen learn and then we need to have the yearning to help and to also support i think that's so important okay well thank you everyone um thank you so much for participating today i very much appreciate all of you coming um i you know i think our group we were hoping that we would have more of a discussion but just from a time sake i want to be very respectful of your time uh, because we are right at that 5:30 mark so i want to be respectful we are going to be doing this on a weekly basis so don't worry we're going to continue having these conversations um our group we're still working out some of the details on uh how we're going to move forward so this format may be here next week it may not so we are not sure but uh we are still exploring this is an uh evolutionary thing so um again thank you so much so there's a couple ways you can get in contact with us from a uh if you need more information you want to share feedback feel free to reach out to sarah phelps here in this group she's in this group you can also find her on linkedin you can also reach out to john carlson also in this group also on linkedin uh if you have any questions they are going to field our questions this week um and if you join through the linkedin event page if you have any questions you can post them on there and we will also share next week's information on there as well um and to give a quick little preview i will turn it over to sarah so she can since she is presenting next week so she can share a little bit about what she's going to talk about next week hi everybody um So Celia is incredibly inspirational and has this beautiful way of speaking that inspires everyone. I'm not like that. Um I am about action. I like goals and I like getting shit done. So I'm going to speak to you about empathy next week. Um and using empathy as a tool that allows you to bridge the gap between sort of everyone's positive intentions and actually essential and usually uncomfortable action. So we'll talk a little bit about what empathy is and is not, um how and what to teach to folks and how it might drive sort of diversity, equity and inclusion strategy or actions in your organization. Fantastic. Well, uh I hope that gets everyone interested for next week. Um I'm going to be here. <laughs> uh so 
I know I'm so funny. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you again so much for joining Celia. Thank you again for um, sharing your story and presenting this week. I know that we can all get on board with making this a human's rights issue, not just a one dimensional issue from one standpoint or another. So thank you again, everyone for joining, participating, being a part of this conversation. Together, we can make so much more of an impact than just if we were apart. So thank you again uh, one more time, and we will see you all next week. Thank you again for tuning into our Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity conversation. We hope you can join us next time live as we come together to support, share, learn, activate, and empower to make a difference in the world. Don't forget to click that subscribe button to hear more of our conversations moving forward and share this episode with someone who's looking to transform the patriarchy through the gender lens. We're so excited you've joined us in this movement. Let's go out into this world and lead together. Stay awesome.